You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Kiana Jones, artist and founder of Happening Hands, a community that helps makers and creative business owners build thriving, profitable businesses. Every week on our podcast, we discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to build that profitable handmade or creative business that you've always dreamed of. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to kick off a brand new season of the Handmade CEO podcast with you, and I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. Today, we're going to be talking with Dawn K. Kennedy. She is a business mentor, the CEO of Convoy Road Coffee Roasters, and podcast host and author. Dawn is going to be talking with us today about how to streamline your business processes and how she and her husband scaled their coffee roasting business to success with multiple revenue streams. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Dawn. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So you are a business mentor and you own a successful coffee roasting business with your husband. And when you first told me about it, I was totally blown away by the success that you and your husband have been able to find with it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how that business started and how you were really able to scale it to success? Absolutely. So the the fun thing about what we do is it was my husband's passion project. So for 30 years, he's been chasing the perfect cup of coffee. He was stationed Mm -hmm. in Panama with the army in the late 80s and tried Panamanian coffee and just fell in love. And you know, he's the guy that'll go and spend, you know, 60 bucks a pound for some Jamaican Blue Mountain stuff or whatever. And I got him a gift uh, Christmas of 2020 of a tabletop coffee roaster and just some beans. And Mm -hmm. he actually has just a really good knack for roasting coffee. And about a month and a half later or so, you know, I said, hey, this is this is pretty good. I, I really think I could sell this. And he's like, yeah. oh, Lady, you're, you're crazy. You can't do that. And, you know, the first post we did, we sold like 11 bags and we just kept growing every month. We were tripling. So we tripled in February. We tripled again in March. And in April, it was this idea of, all right, we have a decision to make. Either we're going to stay a hobby business and just do so much a month and that's going to be it. Or we're going to go commercial and we're going to do something with this. And, you know, I have some ideas about how to make this work so that, um, you know, we can keep our inventory dollars, you know, low and things like that. And we decided, okay, let's, let's go ahead and, and make a go of this. So we bought a commercial roaster and, you know, we started putting out coffee and the community just kept growing and growing and growing and uh, using just a couple of different strategies to get the brand out there. You know, by the end of the year, uh, we did $17,000 in sales in December and we went, okay. So yeah, it was really good. And, uh, you know, some, some interesting things about what we do is of course, coffee is a commodity. Um, so understanding, you know, how often people will buy the things that they buy from you, why they buy, when they buy, uh, really helped kind of shape what we launched when we launched. And, uh, we do something called the origin of the month. So every 30 days we bring in an exotic, really cool origin. This month is actually from Sulawesi, which is like in Indonesia. And this bean is from the highest elevation in all of Indonesia. So it's an interesting bean. 
But for those people who are a little bit adventurous with their coffee drinking and they want to try something different all the time, you know, they can try mm-hmm. something different every 30 days. And that's kind of what we've become known for is that we have these things that we keep around all the time, but every 30 days you can come by and sample and try and get this really unique, different coffee that you probably won't see anywhere else. Places from Indonesia, from Southeast Asia, like we did one from Laos, we've done it from India. Uh, nice. Places that are not necessarily like the first thing that pops in your head when you say coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And um, I'm someone who I actually, so I actually had to quit caffeine, but I love coffee and I love trying different kinds of coffee. And so that's like right up my alley too. And I could imagine that that would be a a cool draw where it's like, okay, I can try something new this time. It's not the same old, same old thing. Uh, That's really awesome. So So that's cool. That's so cool that you guys kind of started in your kitchen and, you know, your husband um, had this passion. So how, so now the the business is successful. And the last time we spoke, you kind of talked about the multiple income streams that you have with the business. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how those evolved into what they are today? And why is it, why is it so important for business owners to kind of diversify their income streams? Right. So, so income streams and, and lines of revenue, if, if we look at just the basic thing that we sell, we sell coffee. When I say we have multiple lines of revenue, I'm not including things like mugs and t-shirts and stuff. I'm legitimately talking about the different ways that we serve our different audiences with our coffee. And, you know, the, the first thing that people think of is bagged coffee. So we have people who get bags yeah. of coffee and they, they get, you know, the beans or they get the grounds. And so that's one way that we serve people. Another way that we serve is we can do urns of coffee, like for meetings. This one came up a little bit later on. But when you think about all the different reasons people would buy coffee, they buy it for convenience to eat at home or drink at home. They'll buy at like a festival, right? So we'll go out to a festival and we'll do some iced coffee drinks out there and we'll do some event stuff. So events, uh, concessions, things like that. So you can get a cup of coffee, you know, at an event or something and tie our brand to that event. Then we do um, subscriptions. So people subscribe and they get our coffee month over month through a subscription service. And, you know, they get origin of the month and maybe something else. Um, another way that we do it is again, we do coffee bars. So we do hot, nice coffee bars for different events, like uh, bridal showers, baby showers. We've, we've done all kinds of really cool events where we go and we have bought all the catering equipment and we cater this beautiful high end coffee bar where people can enjoy something that's really very popular right now. And it's very different from like having a coffee truck outside your venue. I mean, this is on a table next to all of your food. It's a, it's a beautiful experience. Nice. Um, you know, another thing we do is um, we are wholesalers. So we're in about 14 retail locations. So another line of revenue for us is to go ahead and partner up with specific types of businesses to put us in the store or to even serve us. We're in a couple of restaurants as well. So this has kind of evolved over time as we understand why people drink us, when they drink us, when it's, um, you know, like a good partnership opportunity to do business with other people. And then really, how else can we serve at another level? So now we do deliveries to local businesses. So businesses will offer a locally roasted coffee to their customers, Mm -hmm. an accountant, an attorney, um, you know, a car dealership, right? So they're going to serve our coffee as they're doing business deals. 
And so we now sell by the single pot, which was not an original, uh, I guess, product delivery, but that's how we do it now. So we have evolved only because we really have deeply understood our customer. And when we sit down and do our quarterly planning, we look at, you know, what our next strategy is, is going to be like, what do we want to grow next or what do we want to offer next? And it's interesting because you have to realize that sometimes when a new product comes out, you're not actually going to, to get buyers from the audience that's buying something else. So I think that's something that people um, don't realize is people are buying for, for different reasons. And then also the audience for each thing could be very different. So you have to give it 90 days. You have to be very strategic in how you're offering it. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. We now do uh, coffee pods, kind of like K-Cups. Can't say K-Cups though, because that's registered to Keurig, but they're pods. And the thing is, is when we started launching those, we had gotten a few requests from people who said, well, I'd love to try your coffee, but I only have this machine. And we were like, okay. So we waited. We had a few people ask about it. We started investigating into it. We saw what our investment would be to have those taken care of for us to get them in-house, to fill them here because we do production. And really, when we started advertising that we were now doing K-Cups, our original buyer base that does bags was not interested. So we actually had to open up another uh, segment of the coffee drinking population for whom this makes a lot of sense and who they're really excited for, about having. And so, you know, it took a little bit of time for that to catch on. Um, but understanding, you know, who your customers are and then who your customers are by extension of another business's customers, right? So if I'm mm -hmm. doing something in a particular wholesale area, the cups may be much more popular than maybe they are in a different location. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I love that you're thinking about your customer base as it's not just people who like coffee, it's people who want to, you know, grind their own beans at home, people who want to serve coffee at their business deal, someone who wants to serve coffee for their bridal shower, like really thinking about all of these different types of coffee lovers and when would they be drinking coffee? And, you know, I, I tell this to, you know, maker friends who I have and, and some of my mentees who are, you know, someone who might sell, um, you know, mugs, you know, it's like that mug is something that could be sold in a cafe. It's something that you could use, um, you know, or sell in, in multiple different locations for different events. Like not just thinking about your product as, you know, I can just sell this at a craft show or online and that's it. Um, thinking about all of these different areas and the types of people you can sell it to. So I, I love that you're thinking about it that way. And it's, it's created success for your business, which is really cool. It, it really has. And, you know, back to your point about your product is not just your product. Um, about two years ago, I worked with somebody who had a soapery and she made like body mm -hmm. scrubs and all this stuff, all organic material and everything else. But she only offered it in one size and it lasted a very, mm -hmm. very long time, which is amazing. But she had real opportunities missed where people could buy a smaller size and gift it, right? Things like that. So yeah. giving people multiple reasons to use your product is incredibly important. Making sure that they understand that this isn't just this, this is also that or could be for this. And putting it mm -hmm. in their minds about, you know, why they could use it that way or, or how it would benefit them to have something like that available, uh, I think is a huge difference from, you know, just having a product and putting it out on a website or posting it on Facebook and really building that raving, raving fan base behind you 
that's excited for every time you launch something different or excited for something new and they yeah. refer their friends and they get those people in your world. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think coming at it from the customer perspective, uh, can be very important to figuring out, you know, maybe where there's gaps in your industry that you can serve. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you also have a background as an attorney, right? So how has that helped you face some of the challenges that come with growing a business, um, especially one where you are selling um, food? (laughs) Right. So as an attorney, one of the benefits was, you know, I could read all the food regulations and figure out what our licensing requirements were, uh, what we needed to do to move from what we call cottage food, meaning that you don't have a Department of Agriculture manufacturer's license. You're actually just being a home roaster or like a home baker. Almost every state has cottage food. And to move, though, from that level to where you can ship outside the state and you can do more e-commerce and some of those things, you do need to actually have specific licenses depending on where you live. So being an attorney helped me navigate some of that stuff. It also kind of helped me understand Um, because I was a small business attorney also, I used to work a lot with entrepreneurs also on the financial sides of things as a business owner. So it allowed us to make business decisions, I think a little bit more strategically because we could study the second and third order effects. And some of that was based on experience, uh, working with these other businesses over time. And the fact that this is not our first business, I think really kind of ramped it up so that we could be really successful very quickly. So it takes some time and it takes some experience, but I I say this and, you know, sometimes people get upset, but if you're going to make, you know, six figures a year selling something that starts at 10 or $12, it's very different than if you're going to make six figures a year selling a $5,000 social media packet. Both of them are legitimate. Like both of them Mm -hmm. are amazing business models. There's nothing wrong with that. But doing it the maker way or doing it where you're doing manufacturer production and things like that, it, it takes a little bit longer. It sometimes is regulated and you have to look into that. And you, you have to build it in such a way that it's sustainable at each level before you launch the next thing. And mm-hmm. you know that is something that kept us also out of trouble with leverage. There are a lot of people who take out a lot of uh, startup capital and things you know, to start their businesses. And and we didn't do that because we, um, I guess in a way we bootstrapped for a while, but we, you know, we're willing to take less profit up front, buying in smaller quantities and selling them before we made mm-hmm. this investment to get this huge wholesale deal because it had free shipping. Right. So there was this, um, you know, the, the ability to think through kind of some of that stuff, I think came from having an attorney background and the way that we're taught to think about what, mm-hmm. what's going to next with the other side. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I, that's exciting too, because, because, you know, you started this business and it was like, you kind of had this understanding of like, okay, this is really how it could go. Um, you know, not just necessarily starting from a place of, we're just going to start this and see what happens. And then five years later, you're like, okay, now we want to ramp it up, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, it really was, a hobby business, though. I mean, if we want to call that something, but I mean, it really was a hobby to start. And that's just kind of, there was a, there was a point, there was a business decision mm-hmm. about whether or not we were going to take the next step, which requires resources and time yeah. and it requires licensure. Right. So there are, there are some people that they're not ready to do that yet. And they want to stay a hobby business. I mean, they're either yeah, side of the Absolutely. For today's episode, we're highlighting one of our amazing partners, Inventora. 
Inventora is a free inventory management software for product-based businesses that was created by makers for makers. What started as a system built to help one person in their business has now developed into being used by thousands. Inventora is now an all-in-one system for makers and manufacturers. They help streamline the process of managing raw materials through production and fulfillment for your business. If you're looking for a better way to manage your inventory, definitely check these guys out. Okay, back to the show. So as we kick off the new year, what advice do you have for a business owner who's kind of ready to streamline and refine like all of their processes in their business, kind of getting their pricing right and kind of deciding on what products to offer? What advice would you have? Where would they start? Okay, so pricing, let's let's go there. So we made one strategic pricing decision and we raised our prices last year one time. We knew our numbers and one thing was we did not want to be the business that raised prices every three or four or five or six months because they didn't anticipate what costs were going to do. They weren't doing any research. They were just buying what they were buying. They weren't comparing vendors. They weren't looking at, you know, what was available out there in the marketplace. And for that reason, we have not raised our prices since. So we did just one strategic, it was kind of a bump. It was $2 a bag, which kind of felt heavy at the time, but it's very competitive. And it allowed us to make some other decisions later on about what we were going to buy and when hedging against shipping issues, pricing issues. So the first thing is, if you are unsure about your pricing, if you understand why you have to price things the way that you do, if you are doing this very intentionally and not just because somebody else is doing it that way or because you saw it that way online or something, if you're very strategic and transparent about why you're doing it, you can do a big bump and then just freeze it. And then as everybody else is looking like every three months, somebody goes to reorder and it's like, my gosh, it went up another, you know, whatever. You actually are very consistent and you are the reliable pricing point that people can find. So that's, that's about pricing. And, um, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about is making sure that people aren't priced to lose money. If you have a 20% margin and give a 20% discount to increase volume, you're working for free. I mean, just you are. So yeah. there are some things, you know, around pricing that you want to make sure you're, you're very intentional about. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about, I guess, systems is what is your capacity? So if you're a maker, uh, particularly, you know, what is your capacity for growth? There is a, there are a couple of places where you can bottleneck where either demand exceeds your ability to make supply. And that's going to cost mm-hmm. additional investment either in labor or investment in more materials or more of your time. Um, and then, you know, there are going to be places where maybe you've overstocked or something and you might panic a little bit and slash prices. And you don't want to do either of those scenarios if you can help it. I mean, really, it's predicting the curve by understanding, OK, well, you know, on the tabletop roasters, we could only do this much coffee. That's all we could do. And then when we got to this one, it's like, this is how much we can do a day. And now I have two commercial roasters, but I know what my capacity is. So when I get to a certain point, it's going to trigger business decisions. So if you don't understand what your capacity is, how long it takes you to make something or to get something shipped back, or if you're doing something where, you know, you're ordering it and it's being shipped from the manufacturer kind of thing, make sure you do understand capacity, um, shipping times, you know, how long it takes for you to meet your clients' expectations and needs, and then Mm -hmm. just, you know, make those business decisions around 
how you want to put your brand in the marketplace. Um, you know, we always laugh. I think about, I saw some stuff on Facebook. I think about wish and people saying that it just takes forever to get there, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's really cheap. So it's going on a cargo ship. It's not going overnight mail. Right. So, you know, things like that. So make sure that you understand that. The third thing is, do you understand your branding and position in the marketplace? Do you understand Mm -hmm. who your audience is? And I'm not talking about like ideal client. I'm talking about where is your brand in the marketplace? So for us, Mm. we don't flavor coffee. You cannot come to our roastery and get blueberry brickle or uh, Highlander grog or any of that. And we don't chase trends. So we are very, very uh, deliberate in what we offer and why we offer that. And we have a very specific segment of the market that drinks our coffee. And the fact is we're not for everyone and that's okay. In fact, over the holidays, we had somebody coming in who asked, he said, my wife loves blueberry coffee. And I'm like, well, we're actually not the right person for you. And I actually sent them to our, I guess you would call competitor, but they make what this person would have wanted. So do you understand your position in the marketplace? If you're going to streamline and you're going to make your advertising and your wholesale and everything else, you know, are you, are you chasing trends? Are you whack-a-moling to try to make sales? Or do you understand, Mm -hmm. you know, your position in the marketplace so that everything that you put in place is supporting that and then being very consistent in the marketplace? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for all of that amazing advice. So you also have a book called The Profit Accelerator. Can you tell me a little bit about that book and how it helps small business owners? Sure. So the Profit Accelerator for Small Business very specifically gets a couple things uh, up front in the mind of the business owner. So first off, what is your financial personality? Are you somebody who looks at the numbers and panics about your numbers? Or are you somebody who doesn't even look at the numbers and has no idea what's going on, right? So as you mature in entrepreneurship, I think we go through all of these different personalities, but it lets you figure out like right up front how you are relating to the money in your business. Because running a business is not the same as getting a paycheck every week, or it's not the same as you right. know, necessarily having all the stable income. And treating the business money like your own personal paycheck or your own personal piggy bank and spending all your profits that come in, you know, some of that is is fear. Some of that is just not understanding how to run a business. But some of it is also, you know, going through this relationship with the money. And, you know, we talk through very specifically how to get organized, the relationship with money, how to watch your inventory dollars a bit, how to do things where the profit accelerator is because everything you sell needs to make profit. And it helps you really think through what you're doing and how you're doing it so that your relationship to money, the way that you're tracking your your things, the way that you're making your business decisions, um, the way that you understand your mindset has to shift, it all does affect that bottom line. Everybody can make revenue, but if you're not keeping any of it, really, why? What are you doing? And sometimes it's a pricing issue. Sometimes it's a fear issue. And you know you don't know if you're going to make sales again the next month. So you take and reinvest all the money and now you're cash poor. Or you don't know if you're going to be able to duplicate that again next month. So you take all the money and you put it in your personal account and now you get a big order and you don't have money for inventory. So, you know, those kinds of things, those are real mindset things and real issues that entrepreneurs face. And the only way, honestly, to get through a lot of it is either to get someone that you can talk to, kind of support you through, well, why were you thinking that that way? Or what was the business decision? And um, 
you know, or you just have to do it through experience. But I think the number one thing that Profit Accelerator ham, hammers home over and over is what's the business decision? And I think if we take it out of the realm of I'm just trying to run a business and we understand that everything we do is a business decision that affects second and third order effects, I think we'll make different ones in some cases. And guess what? They don't all work. We've had some really awesome, you know, failures. Um, mm-hmm. Even right up front within the first three months, we were like, oh, that didn't that didn't work at all. Um, but it was OK because we owned that and said, well, that was the decision at the time and either the way we were thinking about how it would work out was wrong or, you know, we made assumptions in the marketplace that were wrong. And both of those things are completely legitimate, but owning the idea of a business decision, owning the financial side of it, owning um, your willingness to put in the work, right. To make sure that you're tracking every sale, making sure that you understand mm-hmm. what your costs are. And for a lot of people, they, they don't, not, not because they're, you know, being negligent or anything. They just, they don't necessarily think about it that way. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel like that's, it's obviously such a better way to think about it, but there's so many people who blame the market or they blame, you know, their potential buyers. They're like, well, they didn't buy it's, it's their fault. And it's like, no, like this was your business decision. And so, yeah, I love that perspective. And can we find that book on Amazon? You can. And actually, if you have Amazon Unlimited, you can check it out for free. So I've made it available for free for any entrepreneur on Amazon Unlimited because, you know, I I Mm. believe, um, you know, there's a lot of great information out there about business. I don't know that there's a lot about the mechanics of running a business, right? So, you know, especially if you're a maker, do you understand Mm. inventory return? Do you understand managing your inventory dollars? Do you understand, you know, pricing? Do you understand planning a quarter at a time. Are you doing these things or is something popping up at the last minute? You go, Oh, I should go do that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, but you get to a place where if you keep winging it, you can't grow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So tell me a little bit about how you can mentor and help small business owners. What does it look like to work with you? So I actually am not going to do a lot of one-to-one this year because I am focused actually on growing my business to a point where I think we're going to franchise. So I have That's to- exciting. Yeah, I got to get the model nailed in exactly. Uh, our business model is, is different from most roasters because a lot of roasters do two things. One, they roast and then they go straight to e-commerce. So like Black Rifle, that kind of thing, where they sell online. You can see lots of coffee subscriptions online, which are amazing. Um, the second way you see roasters is they roast for their own coffee shops, right? So I can drive down to Salina and I can go to one of our our awesome uh, coffee people around here and they will freshly roast and they use that to make coffee drinks. We don't do either. We're actually a roastery that has, like I said, m- multiple ways of serving. So we do have retail, we do have wholesale, we do do e-commerce, but um, you know, we have to nail down the rest of, of that model, but we're not actually seen as a traditional coffee shop. It's, it's interesting. But, um, you know, the way that I actually support people right now is I I teach the fundamentals of business, right? So um, I have a a small group that um, is either uh, part of this incubator, I guess I'll call it called Success Studio, where they come in and, you know, it's not really a mastermind. I guess it might be. I don't know. But people come in and, uh, you know, we have live calls and we do our quarterly plannings together. We do two planning Mm -hmm. retreats. And things like that a year. And then the other thing is I do a course twice a year called Product-Led Success. And that course 
uh, runs for about six months. It was three months of like real business training. And then again, three more months inside kind of success studio. So you're not trying to implement all these things too soon, too late. And, you know, you do have that, that real support. So that's really what I'm going to be doing in 2023. I'd love to take on more one-to-one clients. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's going to take me away. Um, cause I'm heavily invested, you know, in their success. Yeah. It takes me away from what I'm doing right now to, to grow our legacy business. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So before we wrap up, where can our listeners kind of find you online? Where they, where can they buy some coffee? Tell me about that. So Convoy Road Coffee Roasters is the roastery and you can find us at ConvoyRoadCoffee.com or you can join uh, the Facebook group, Convoy Road Coffee, uh, Convoy Road Coffee Roasters, sorry. And in there, just just a, a warning, there's no filter. There's like 2,300 people in there that post coffee memes and all kinds of stuff and we have contests and, and fun stuff in there. So if you want to just kind of check us out, see what we're doing, that's where you can find the coffee stuff. For me, I'm Don K. Kennedy dot com online and then on social it's don k kenny xo on instagram and don k kennedy mentor uh on facebook so i i'm around um, awesome you know and the the coffee's up if you want to just come see what we're doing come check it out we really don't hide the ball or anything uh and also online you know i give a lot of video advice and things like that to tell people some different tips and strategies that they can use to grow their own businesses that is so helpful. Thank you so much, Don. And, you know, thank you for coming on the show. I can't wait to continue conversations with you this year and into the future. And I really wish you the best in this new year. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to come in and, and chat with you. I've, I've loved every time we've talked um, up to now and even now. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into the Handmade CEO Podcast. Check out the show notes to get a closer look at our guest today and our special offers. Most importantly, check out and join our membership for makers, Happening Hands, where we feature courses, workshops, monthly coaching, and more for makers and creative business owners who are ready to bring their businesses to the next level. You can do this by going to www.happeninghands.com. See you next time. And until then, don't forget that no dream is too big to turn into your dream job.